Give your example, an incident from your life. This is the part of your talk that will take up the major portion of your time. In it, you describe an experience that taught you a lesson. Psychologists say we learn in two ways. One, by the law of exercise, in which a series of similar incidents leads to a change of our behavioral patterns. And two, by the law of effect, in which a single event may be so startling as to cause a change in our conduct. All of us have had this type of unusual experience. We do not have to search long for these incidents because they lie close to the surface of our memories. Our conduct is guided to a large extent by these experiences. By vividly reconstructing these incidents, we can make them the basis of influencing the conduct of others. We can do this because people respond to words in much the same way that they respond to real happenings. In the example part of your talk, then you must recreate a segment of your experience in such a way that it tends to have the same effect upon your audience as it originally had upon you. This places upon you the obligation to clarify, intensify, and dramatize your experiences in a way that will make them interesting and compelling to your listeners. Below are a number of suggestions which will help to make the example step of your action talk clear, intense, and meaningful. Build your example upon a single personal experience. The incident type of example is particularly powerful when it is based upon a single event that had a dramatic impact upon your life. It may not have taken more than a few seconds, but in that short span of time, you learned an unforgettable lesson. Not long ago, a man in one of our classes told of a terrifying experience when he tried to swim to shore from his overturned boat. I am sure that everyone in his audience made up his mind that, faced with a similar situation, he would follow this speaker's advice and stay with a capsized boat until the help came. I remember another example of a speaker's harrowing experience involving a child in an overturned power mower. That incident was so graphically etched in my mind that I will always be on guard when children are hovering near my power mower. Many of our instructors have been so impressed but what they have heard in their classes that they have acted promptly to prevent similar accidents around their homes. One keeps a fire extinguisher handy in his kitchen, for instance, because of a talk he heard which vividly recreated a tragic fire that started from a cooking accident. Another has labeled all bottles containing poison and has seen to it that they are out of reach of his children. This action was prompted by a talk detailing the experience of a distraught parent when she discovered her child unconscious in the bathroom with a bottle of poison clutched in her hand. A single personal experience that taught you a lesson will never forget is the first requisite of a persuasive action talk. With this kind of incident, you can move audiences to act. If it happened to you, your listeners reason, it can happen to them and they had better take your advice by doing what you ask them to do. Start your talk with a detail of your example. One of the reasons for starting your talk with the example step is to catch attention at once. 
Some speakers fail to get attention with their opening words because all too often these words consist only of repetitious marks, cliches, or fragmentary apologies that are of no interest to the audience. Unaccustomed as I am to public speaking, it's particularly offensive, but many other commonplace methods of beginning a talk are just as weak in attention-getting value. Going into the details of how you came to choose the subject, revealing to the audience that you are not too well prepared, they will discover that fact soon enough, or announcing the topic or theme of your talk like a preacher giving the text of a sermon are all methods to avoid in a short talk to get action. Take a tip from Top Flight Magazine and newspaper writers. Begin writing your example and you will capture the attention of your audience immediately. Here are some opening sentences that drew my attention like a magnet. In 1942, I found myself on a cot in a hospital. Yesterday, at breakfast, my wife was pouring the coffee and... Last July, I was driving at a fast clip down Highway 42. The door of my office opened and Charlie Van, our foreman, burst in. I was fishing in the middle of the lake. I looked up and saw a motorboat speeding toward me. If you start your talk with phrases that answer one of the questions who, when, where, what, how, or why, you will be using one of the oldest communication devices in the world to get attention. The story. Once upon a time, are the magic words that open the floodgates of a child's imagination. With this same human interest approach, you can captivate the minds of your listeners with your first words. Fill your example with relevant detail. Detail of itself is not interesting. A room cluttered with furniture and a brick of brack is not attractive. A picture filled with too many unrelated details does not compel the eyes to linger upon it. In the same way, too many details, unimportant details, make conversation and public speaking a boring test of endurance. The secret is to select only those details that will serve to emphasize the point and reason of the talk. If you want to get across the idea that your listeners should have their cars checked before going on a long trip, then all the details of your example step should be concerned with what happened to you when you failed to have your car checked before taking a trip. If you tell about how you enjoyed the scenery or where you stayed when you arrived at your destination, you will only succeed in clouding the point and dissipating attention. But relevant detail? Couched in concrete, colorful language is the best way to recreate the incident as it happened and to picturize it for the audience. To say merely that you once had an accident because of negligence is bald, uninteresting, and hardly likely to move anyone to be more careful behind the wheel of a car. But to paint a blurred picture of your frightening experience using the full range of multi-sensory phraseology will etch the event upon the consciousness of the listeners. For instance, here is the way one class member developed an example step that points up vividly the need for great caution on wintry roads. I was driving north on Highway 41 in Indiana one morning, just before Christmas in 1949. In the car were my wife and two children. 
For several hours we had been creeping along on a sheet of mirror-like ice. The slightest touch on the steering wheel sent the rear of my Ford into a sickening slide. Few drivers got out of line or attempted to pass, and the hours seemed to creep as slowly as the cars. Then we came to an open stretch where the ice was melted by the sun, and I stepped on the accelerator to make up for lost time. Other cars did the same. Everybody suddenly seemed in a hurry to get to Chicago first. The children began to sing in the back seat as the tension of danger subsided. The road suddenly went uphill and into a wooded area. As the speeding car reached the top, I saw, too late, that the northern slope of the hill, still untouched by the sun's rays, was like a smooth river of ice. I had a fleeting glance of two wildly careening cars in front of us, and then we went into a skid. Over the shoulder we went, hopelessly out of control, and landed on a snowbank, still bright. But the car that had been following us went into a skid too and crashed into the side of our car, smashing in the doors and showering us with glass. The abundance of detail in this example made it easy for the audience to project themselves into the picture. After all, your purpose is to make your audience see what you saw, hear what you heard, feel what you felt. The only way you can possibly achieve this effect is to use an abundance of concrete details. As we pointed out previously, the task of preparation of a talk is a task of reconstructing the answers to the questions who, when, where, how, and why. You must stimulate the visual imagination of your listeners by painting word pictures. Relieve your experience as you relate it. In addition to using picturesque details, the speaker should relieve the experience he's describing. Here is where speaking approaches its sister field of acting. All great speakers have a sense of the dramatic, but this is not a rare quality to be found only in the eloquent. Most children have a plentiful supply of it. Many persons of our acquaintance are gifted with a sense of timing facial expression, mimicry, or pantomime that is a part, at least, of this priceless ability to dramatize. Most of us have some skill along these lines, and with a little effort and practice, we can develop more of it. The more action and excitement you can put into the retelling of your incident, the more it will make an impression on your listeners. No matter how rich in detail a talk may be, it will lack punch if the speaker does not give it with all the fervor of recreation. Are you describing a fire? Give us the feeling of excitement that ran through the crowd as the firemen battled the blaze. Are you telling us about an argument with your neighbor? Relieve it. Dramatize it. Are you relating your final struggles in the water as panic swept over you? Make your audience feel the desperation of those awful moments in your life. For one of the purposes of the example is to make your talk memorable. Your listeners will remember your talk and what you want them to do only if the example sticks in their minds. We recall George Washington's honesty because of the chair tree incident popularized in the Wings biography. The New Testament is a rich storehouse of principles of ethical conduct reinforced by examples full of human interest. For instance, the story of the Good Samaritan. In addition to making your talk more easily remembered, 
the incident example makes your talk more interesting, more convincing, and easier to understand. Your experience of what life has taught you is freshly perceived by the audience. They are, in a sense, predetermined to respond to what you want them to do. This brings us right to the doorstep of the second phase of the magic formula.